This is The Saucer Life, a podcast in which we examine concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking. Today, we take another look at some reports from the Center for UFO Studies publication on 1973, the year of the humanoids. So if you haven't heard the first episode on this topic from a few years ago, that's fine. I'm going to cover some of the basics here for you. And there's a link to the entire report in the show notes and a link back to that previous episode in the show notes. So you can check all of that out. And if you have listened to that first episode on the topic, this is going to sound really familiar. So this report, 1973, Year of the Humanoids, was compiled by a guy named David Webb in May of 1976, and this was done under the auspices of CUFOS, or the Center for UFO Studies, which was the brainchild of J. Allen Hynek, the Air Force's scientific consultant on Project Blue Book. And CUFOS has done a lot of stuff, and one of the things is sponsor publications of reports like this, focusing on a trend or a series of sightings or encounters in really exhaustive detail. So in general, what was this 1973 humanoid year about? Is it like the International Geophysical Year, where scientists all unite to work on geophysical projects? No. It was a massive year, 73 was, in terms of UFO sightings, but also for sightings of and encounters with beings we call humanoids, generally bipedal with a head and some limbs. So in fall 1973, the period covered by this book, people in the U.S. experienced a huge number of encounters with bizarre periods. And this isn't really a book. Uh, It's not really a narrative. It's a collection of narrative reports and then sort of statistical summaries of things that are in a computer-readable format for 1973. So you could feed data into like a mainframe or something and get some kind of analysis out of it. And I said the word computer and my Alexa started talking in the background. So you might have heard a little bit of that. So Webb in this uh, collection or report describes three types of cases. There's humanoid occupants of UFO craft. There are contactee reports where there's communication taking place and monster sightings, but the monsters are, are still humanoid. Um, Webb explained that contactee-style reports were kept in unless a hoax seems possible. The monster reports, anthropoid monsters, because these are humanoids, these accounts were removed unless they were made in conjunction with a UFO sighting, which I think is, is interesting because it kind of makes this a UFO thing rather than a general weird stuff report. So if you saw some kind of cryptid-type creature, but there wasn't a UFO around, it doesn't appear in this report, which makes sense if the report was called 1973 Year of the UFO Humanoids. But I don't know. Maybe out there somewhere, somebody's probably done this, there is a more thorough report of humanoid sightings in 1973, the fall of 1973, that happened with or without 
with or without UFOs. Now, Webb does uh, does say this, which I think um, think is is interesting. He says. Quote, however, the anthropoid monster reports cannot be ignored despite the strong emotional distaste that many researchers have for them. And I noted in the earlier episode that uh, it's that phrase, strong emotional distaste, is a good indicator of, um, of how the mainstream of UFO research at the time was, was really not looking for correlations between UFO sightings and other types of paranormal events. Okay, so with that said, let's welcome the Saucer Life to the studio. Good evening. Hey, thanks for making the trip across town. That's what we call walking down the stairs to the studio. So we've got some humanoid stories here. And what we're going to do is we are going to talk through them and talk about if we believe them, how credible we think they are. What would we do? in this uh, in this situation what do they make us think of what do they remind us of how do they make us feel about life and love and the universe sound good sounds great okay so if if you want to know how this went the first time we tried it with some completely different stories you can subscribe to the patreon and get that as part of this month's bonus episode where um i get really pedantic about doctor who and uh she puts me in my place All right, so let's start with August 10th, 1973 in Columbia. Four grade school students and a policeman saw four humanoids beneath a bridge. The beings were only 20 centimeters tall and disappeared when the witnesses approached. Traces, in quotes, were left in mud and later photographed. Initial thoughts. Um, what are traces? Is that like scat? Humanoid scat. I I like to think so, but I have a feeling it's probably something boring like footprints. Okay. And what are four grade school students doing hanging out with a policeman? That's a that's a question I had. Um Is it like a crossing guard? They were walking home from school. That makes sense. That that actually makes sense to me. Um or they saw somebody and like went and fetched a policeman, you know? Something like that, but okay. on on the surface, it does seem kind of kind of and odd. forgive this. Um, how like so? How big is twenty centimeters? Um, you you Americans with your uh, if you can hear my um, very classy mechanical keyboard, looking for the uh, seven point eight inches tall. You'd have to be right on top of these things. Yeah, it, it does not seem likely that that they would have been far enough away to notice that. Well, you know, you notice something, you walk towards it, it runs away. I don't, I'm not buying it. You have to be pretty darn close to be able to, mm, no. You are so skeptical. Okay. So, so am I actually of this one, but if you like tiny humanoids, check out our episode from late 2021, where we, uh, we looked at some cases from Malaysia which had tiny humanoids, some of which grew to giant size in a school bathroom stall in front of a witness. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Does this mean you haven't listened to every episode of The Saucer Life? <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence without laughing. Okay. <laughs> uh, September 1973 in Australia, the witness was a passenger in a semi-trailer on Route 1 en route to Perth. She awoke to observe a brightly lit egg-shaped object on the ground to the left of the road. 
Walking toward an open door was a normal-sized figure of human appearance. A second occupant was seen seated within the object, through a squarish window looking upward at something in the vehicle, as the truck passed. The light rapidly faded until, by the time she got the driver to stop, only a single white light was visible. She said she had been awakened by a voice just prior to her observation. And this was a first-hand investigation. You know those travel, like those camper trailers that are kind of like, you know, like they're a little happy campers. She's making little like rectangular motions with her fingers. Rounded, like a rounded rectangular. They're more rounded. That's at first what I thought it was. Like not like not like a Gulf Stream, but like it says a semi trailer. No, the object. Oh, 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 oh! I thought you meant egg shaped object. Egg shaped. It could be like one of those little campers. So you're thinking more like a, a rounded than a like a literal egg. Correct. What is your, what would be your definition of egg shaped? Like an egg. Hmm. <laughs> Very unusual for you to think egg shaped might mean like an egg. Um. So that's my thought. I thought, oh, okay, it's just like a camping trailer. Um. She just woke up, right? That's so what things it says. aren't clear. She could have been having a dream. Maybe on some LSD. Wow. Wow. Psychedelic shaming. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. So you know what jumped out at me first? Why is this woman in a semi-trailer? A passenger in a semi-trailer. Is she being smuggled? That's what I'm wondering. It, and then she wouldn't be able to see anything if she was in the trailer. And she wouldn't be able to get the driver to stop. Correct. I'm thinking they just got this wrong. I'm thinking that they just meant like a semi. But I think they, maybe she was just in like the sleeper compartment of oh, the semi. What's going on in that sleeper compartment? You know, it's, it's weird. I It's weird that she was awakened by a voice. She could have been dreaming. Savannah, Georgia, September 9th, 1973. <laughs> this is how you lose listeners, folks. Savannah, Georgia, 1973. We're going to sink this bitch. We're going to sink this bitch. Savannah, Georgia, September 9th, 1973. Ten big black hairy dogs emerged from a landed UFO in Laurel Grove Cemetery and ran through the cemetery. The UFO turned out its lights after landing. Several youths made the report. Utes. Utes. Several youths made the report. Mm -hmm. That's all we have? That's all we have. Okay. Ten big black hairy dogs out of a UFO. That's outstanding. There's like a long tradition of large. And how is this a humanoid? Now that is a really. Okay. I was so caught up in, you know, there's a long tradition in folklore of large black dogs being, you know, you know, black shook from the UK and, 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 and things like that. But there's no humanoid. I know. Here. I just realized that. I didn't it's realize just a dog. it's not actually humanoid. You're right. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't even be in here. We shouldn't even be talking about it. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I was, like I said, I was excited about the black dog and the, the folkloric connections. To, to yeah, you just wanted to, to talk to, about that. I, I was going to re- mention Cerberus and. Yeah, we can't even talk about the it. Odyssey. No, and, we can't. Nope, 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 nope. Putting the kibosh on this. Next, September 20th through 26th, Sydney, North Carolina. A series of reports occurred between September 20th and 26th. Though several people reported seeing something, the main witnesses were members of the Williamson family of Sydney. They saw at least one monster with large, glowing red eyes, gray face, long hair, pointed ears, and a hooked nose. 
It was dressed in a brown shirt and black pants and had a small brown cap on its head. It walked with a limp and one hand was missing. It was said to leave no tracks and to leap 50 to 60 feet in a single bound. It had a metal medallion on the chest, which was said to be used for communication and disappearing. Okay, so again, this isn't really humanoid, is it? Well, he's got a face. He's got limbs. He's got a nose and pointed ears. It's, it's, it's way more human than a dog. True. Okay. Um, he's missing a hand. He is missing a hand. Sad. It could just be a really ugly man. It could be a it could be a really ugly man. What gets me is that he's wearing a hat and a medallion. Sounds very disco. Oh, do you think he so you think he was coming home from the disco? He might have been coming home from the disco. I, I don't know where Sydney lost a hand. Listeners, if if you are in Sydney, North Carolina, let us know. Or near. Or near. It, it let us know if there was a disco there. In 1973, where a guy with a hook nose might have lost the hand. You know, the hook nose thing, very prominent anti-Semitic sort of Mm -hmm. caricature. So that might have been part of it. I want to know what kind of hat he was wearing. A small brown cap. And don't put a brown shirt with black pants. October 13th in the Netherlands. A woman arising from bed glanced out a window and clearly saw three little men outside of her house. They were tall and were dressed in white outfits like monks' habits, with tight belts around their waists. On their head, they wore tiny cowls with two points that hung on their shoulders. They seemed to be looking for something on the ground by the walkway between her house and a nearby school and had instruments in their hands. They wore wide, blunt shoes. One of the little men looked toward the house and apparently saw the witness with my nose against the window, in her words, for he appeared startled and said something to the other two, unheard by the witnesses, or the witness. All three turned at once and moved off quickly with very small, fast steps. Going to another window in the house to see if she could see more, the witness discovered a glowing red spherical object of 2 or 2.5 meters in diameter at a distance from the house of 30 or 40 meters. She went to wake up her husband. When they looked for the object, it had disappeared. So the first thing that strikes me is that they were, in quotes, little men. They were tall. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, I mean, tall. Like, wh- okay, so at this point now, I'm ask, I want to know for this woman, what what is a little man to you and what makes a little man tall? Little men. They okay, were, but now they it's were in tall. a walkway between her home and a school. Right. So maybe like some kids forgot something at school and they're going back to get it. And, and they were wearing white <laughs> outfits like monks' habits with tight belts and and like cowls they're, with pointy shoulders. When is this? They're getting ready for Halloween. Oh, it's but October thirteenth. I know, but they're they're doing a test run. Their moms want to make sure that their little outfits fit right. And what were they? What were they dressed as? Little men with monks' habits and well, no, in quotes, little men. But they the, were dressed as humanoids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying. Okay, I, I get. Okay, all right. Okay, let's move on. Okay. I think we beat wide, this one. Wide blunt shoes. That's what I wear. Um. Yeah, because nothing else fits your feet. Nope. Also. On October 13th in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Shout out to our friend Tim Banal, a resident of Massachusetts. I don't know if Amesbury is anywhere near where he lives, but Massachusetts isn't that big. A married couple heard a strange, inhuman conversation or, in quotes, argument outside their bedroom window late at night. 
The conversation went on for 10 to 15 minutes. It was loud and similar to a very high-pitched gibberish or babbling. The couple were too afraid to look out. Possible landing traces were found. This was a first-hand investigation. Okay, do you know, okay, so when I was a little girl, we were at a sleepover, and do you know the ruckus that cats in heat can make? It sounds inhuman. So we thought it was like aliens coming to get us. Seriously. Really? Yeah. This is what that is. It's two cats in heat underneath their window. I uh, I never got invited to sleepovers, so... Well, no, because you'd want to tell these long UFO stories to people. I, I would. I, I would, actually. You know what? That is um, – my my explanation was uh, the phenomenon of the brain – I read about this. The brain translating white noise into something that it recognizes. Oh, because, yes. Because what, mm-hmm. what you, you, you know I've, I've talked yeah. about this mm-hmm. is when we've got a white noise generator or a fan on at night – I will hear what sounds like voices or music, and it it just bugs me. I, I change the the frequency, or just move the fan slightly, and it disappears. But I I googled this because I I thought I was losing my mind, right? But it turns out it's almost like an audio pareidolia, where your your brain kind of tries to make sense out of what it's hearing. So, I, but I like your your cats in heat story because that seems i mean even more likely than well maybe there was a white noise generator going on or somebody had a fan on oh they might have had a fan on the white noise generators didn't exist then did they my mother had a white noise generator as long as i can remember ours is electronic but hers was like a little fan inside a little device it was called the brand name was sleepmate Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. October 6th, St. Matthias, Quebec, Canada. Shortly after midnight, a married couple saw bright lights on their property. Later in the morning, they observed a dome-like tent about a third of a mile away. A second smaller object emerged from it and moved across the ground to a distance of about 200 feet. Five figures of small stature wearing bright yellow garments and helmets moved quickly back and forth between the two objects for an undisclosed period. When the witnesses next look, all had vanished. Ground traces of various descriptions were found at the site. I find it interesting that they say that they're it's a married couple. Like that gives them more credibility because they're married. And then okay, ground traces of various descriptions. What are the descriptions? Give me the descriptions. So Describe are, them. Yeah. So are we talking again? Are we talking scat? Are we talking footprints? You are really obsessed with humanoid scat. I am. Well, okay, but you know, like what are we, what are we lo- what are we looking at here? I know. And 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 to be fair, these are summaries, uh, you know, but it says firsthand investigation, which means, I don't know, somewhere in the file, there's a more elaborate thing. I don't know. Um, but if you bought this copy of 1973 Year of the Humanoids from the Center for UFO Studies and you're reading this, this is all you've got. You know, I'm, I'm sure if I went into the Internet to various databases, I could find more about this. But I'm looking at what we've got in this you know, coil bound yeah. thing. I'm reading the description of the figures and it's almost sounds like they're minions. I'm look I'm picturing a little minion. They're wearing bright yellow garments and helmets and they move quickly back and forth. I do like the minion 
description. And I, I, I share your concern about the um, emphasis on it's a married couple. So if you and I would have seen something on like May 2nd. Before th- we were married. 2003. Mm-hmm. We would only be an engaged couple. Then. Right. On May 3rd. We would be a married couple. And have much more credibility. Correct. So it's a good thing we didn't see anything on May 2nd. I mean, I saw something on May 2nd, but not a UFO. It was a cardboard cutout of Jar Jar Binks with a hat. That wasn't May 2nd. Yeah, it was. It was over at Forrest's house. Your bachelor party wasn't May 2nd. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Our rehearsal dinner was May 2nd. And after the rehearsal dinner, I went over to Forrest's house. Do you want me to get Simpson J. Hanover the third on the phone? Yeah. Okay. Okay, Simpson, you are on the air with me and the saucer wife, and I have a question for you. Okay. All right. Um, May 2nd, 2003, after our rehearsal dinner, we went over to our buddy Forrest's house, and there was a cardboard cutout of Jar Jar Binks, correct? I believe so, yes. And that was the same night as the rehearsal dinner? Uh, Yes. And it wouldn't have been any other night because you were only in town for that weekend? That is correct. And you have just proven me correct in front of the saucer wife and an audience of thousands. <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to blow back on me somehow. Uh, well, uh, without question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Your shadow may never cross or darken our door again. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll find a way to make it up to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Simpson. We appreciate it a lot. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. All right, that was associate producer Simpson J. Hanover III backing me up as I pay him to. Okay, let's do one more story, and then we'll do our midway break, which may not be the midway, but it's uh, it's halfway. This is October 16th, Burbank, California. Two children, ages two and four, reported a UFO with a pointed dome and rays emanating from the bottom. It made a buzzing sound. As many as four occupants were mentioned. They invited the older boy to look in the object. When the boy's father stepped into the backyard minutes after the sighting, the family dog was barking furiously. It's oddly specific for two and four-year-olds. I guess they could say pointed. They're not going to say the word dome. They're not going to know what a ray and emanating. I, I, I just, somebody obviously, you know... Put this into their own Correct. So I would like to know what specifically the two and four-year-old said. I think this is very much an interpretation of what they said. And you work with... Yes, I work work in a preschool. Early childhood. Correct. I work with two and four-year-olds. And they do not speak like this. Yeah, a buzzing sound, yes. Now, they also had testimony from the boy's the, the, no. the, the kid's father, too. So that's feeding into this. Yeah. When the boy's father stepped into the backyard. Oh, after the sighting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, Minutes after the sighting. So, yeah, he wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, he didn't see it. The dog was barking. I don't know. Okay. Suspect at best. Yeah. I mean, I would want, I guess I would want to know exactly what the, what kids the said. kids said, not what the interpretation is, but what the kids say. That's, that's fair enough. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break and we will return. 
We will be back in a week fielding your questions and comments about this episode. And then on the next regular episode, it is our fifth anniversary spectacular. Yes, five years of the saucer life. That's about four years and 10 months more than I thought I would be doing this. So we're going to have some special stuff where you might have some special guests. Uh, We'll have some, um, some thoughts from listeners. There is a link in the show notes to a survey with some questions that I would like to get from uh, from from listeners. What's an example of a question that's on that survey? Oh, well, I can tell you exactly what's on that survey, Saucer Wife. Um, what are your favorite topics that we've covered? What are some topics that you wish we would cover? And you can ask us anything. That's me or you. You're just down the street or across town, up the stairs. So Okay, but the- I don't have to answer it, right? Or am I... F- bound by the laws of saucer life to to answer any no, questions it's only on the patreon that you you're requ- you're contractually required to answer questions oh, okay but okay. If, if you have questions for the saucer wife look she's she's i'm a, an open book she's a sport she will she will answer stuff that i would probably prefer her not to so um anything yeah anything you want to know about our host here i'm open book good god okay so you can uh you can yeah, fill that out. Or if you don't want to fill out a form, it's a Google form, but I've sort of anonymized it as best I can, and, and you don't have to be logged into Google to answer it. You can, you know, get at us at any of the usual communications method. Um, and if which is um, there's a contact form at saucerlife.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at saucerlife. You can email us at thesaucerlife at gmail.com. If you think your ans- your question will get here soon enough, you can mail it to us at Chizo Media, P.O. Box 68, Grand Lake, Michigan, 48480. My gosh, do you know how much a stamp costs? If you like The Saucer Life and want more, you can support us in exchange for bonus content from both this show and our sister show, Great Lakes Lore. Needs more, Saucer Wife. If you subscribe to the Patreon, you'll get bonus episodes of The Saucer Life, each of which has had The Saucer Wife on it. I am hijacking this show. <laughs> she is she is going rogue. You can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash Media or via the link in the show notes or Google Saucer Life Patreon. That'll get you there, too. Let's get back to the show. Will we make it past year five, folks? <laughs> it's an even money bet at this point. We're going to sink this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next case, October 17th, Falkville, Alabama. Police Chief Jeff Greenhaw photographed a five and a half foot being in a silvery suit after investigating a reported UFO landing. The chief stopped his car in the road and the thing moved slowly like a robot toward the car. When 10 feet away, it turned and began running. The chief pursued in the car, but the being accelerated and disappeared when the car spun off the road. This is a quote. He was running in a very odd manner, from side to side, arms down to his sides, and it looked as if he had springs under his feet to propel him. He could take 10 feet at one step. Okay, so so the, the, the police chief ran his car off the road? It sounds like it, yeah. He's not a very good driver, is he? Well, he's the chief. He's usually at a desk. Well, then what is he out there doing? 
it's it, it's Falkville, Alabama. Let's um. There's probably like two people on the police force. Let's uh, throw this in a Google machine. Falkville, Alabama. Right now, population as of 2020, the population was 1,382. So demographics in 1973, there were about 900 people living in Falkville, Alabama. Oh, he's the only one. He is the only cop. He is. He is the police he's the chief. chief. He's he is, the deputy. He's, he's the everything. The traffic guy. Okay, so parking tickets. Falkville, Alabama, is a a one cop town. They I'm probably thinking. don't even have a stoplight. I don't know. I, there's nothing really sexy about this. What? I mean. Well, okay. Okay. What was sexy about the others? At least it had something different. This 20 is centimeter just, guy under a bridge. That's hot. Okay. But at least it's something different. This is just your run of the mill. Oh, I saw. What? This is your run of the mill five and a half foot tall being in a silvery suit. You know what? They don't get much excitement here in Falkville. Maybe it was some guy on a Friday night trying to liven him, liven it up. You know what? I will say that at 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 many times in my life, me and and Simpson J Hanover the third would have put on silvery suits and wandered around at the side of the road. October seventeenth, same day, Loxley, Alabama. Clarence Patterson and his pickup truck were sucked up into a huge cigar-shaped object with a green light. He was pulled out of the truck by about six robot-like beings who seemed to read his mind. The next thing he remembered, he was back on the highway going about 90 miles an hour in the truck. He may have been on board for up to 30 minutes. A sulfury smell was noted during the sighting. And I'm sorry, remind me again, this is the 70s? 1973. Okay, so how old do you think this pickup is? I mean, they don't say. I mean, it could be a new pickup. 90 miles an hour, eh? I think a pickup from the 70s could go 90. Okay, what, about, I mean, what if it was from the 50s or the 60s? We don't know what year it was. I know, I'm getting fixated on silly things. Okay, I would actually, I think being sucked up into a cigar-shaped object might be interesting. It would be. And, and this is this is like detailed and bizarre enough yes. that, that you wouldn't, I mean, yes, you could make it up, but why would you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this makes you sound credible. Like, in, in, yeah. More credible. It makes At sense. least you have some details. Yeah. I mean, nobody would say this unless, the, you, you know what I mean? I mean, you got to believe it to say it. Right. Or you're just like having fun. Yeah. But I don't know. But a sulfury smell. Probably familiar with uh, with with uh, our good friend Joshua Cutchen, who's written a book called The Brimstone, Brimstone Deceit about odd smells, particularly sulfur smells during paranormal occurrences and i looked this up in that book and he didn't mention it so is this a rare case of something smelling like sulfur that josh cutchin didn't mention but i have if so it would be the first because josh cutchin is a meticulous researcher his new book the ecology of souls is out now and i've got a copy and i cannot wait to dive in so and nobody paid me to say that. As I said, this is some product placement. It's it's product placement of a product I bought and am excited to read. Oh, very nice. It is nice of me, isn't it? Oh, you're such a sweetheart. I am. I am. I'm a very nice man. Also, on October 17th. Busy night. It Right? <laughs> and Alabama, Alabama, this is Mississippi. 
A 50-foot-wide UFO hovered two to three feet above Highway 82 at twilight, seemingly suspended, quote, on a beam of light. The primary witness's car lights went out and the engine died when it was 100 yards from the craft. Another car stopped just behind him. A second UFO hovered 60 feet above the first, illuminating it with a light. Both craft were similar, like inverted cups, and had greenish-blue flashing lights. A catfish-like cre- <laughs> a catfish-like creature came out from the top of the lower UFO, holding on to a handrail. It had gray fish-like skin, a wide mouth, one glowing eye, flipper-like feet, and webbing between the legs like a flying squirrel. It had feather-like objects on its back which opened and closed when it moved. This is outstanding. This is what you want when you hear a UFO sighting. Isn't it? This is... This is what I want. This is the freaking grail, man. A catfish-like creature. And it's walking. It's got flipper feet, and it's walking down a ramp. it's got, like, feather things. It's like catfish quetzalcoatl. It's awesome. I love it. So this is isn't this amazing? This is the best one. I this this is this is my favorite. This is my favorite humanoid story, and I wanted to uh, to to wait to share it with you. But I mean, okay, here's the thing: How do you make this up? I mean, you could. Oh I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you could, but it's it's pretty darn well. I, and there's a car behind them, so. Did they interview both people in both cars? That's and came a good up question. And came up with the story. That is a good question. Um, yeah. The webbing between the legs like a flying squirrel. That's, that's like a detail. Right. That you wouldn't necessarily. I, why would you make that up? I, I, I mean. I don't know. I, I would like to know, though, for sure, if this was the recollection of both cars or one car. That's a good question. That really is a good question oh my gosh we've got three more we got three more just three <sighs> more okay power through okay oh. let's do this this is gonna be like one of our shortest episodes but okay well but hopefully I'm, your your stamina lasts i'm sorry this is interrupting my dessert and it's almost now we're going on nine o'clock and i haven't had dessert no no you haven't i'm sorry october 19th Near Ashburn, Georgia, a woman was driving on I-75 I when her engine, power brakes, and steering quit. No UFO was seen, but a small metallic man appeared after she had pulled the car to the roadside. It had a bubble dome, te- bubble dome head with rectangular eye openings. The head moved like a robot. From the elbows down, the arms were narrow and wrinkled like a chicken's legs. It moved around the car, then was gone. Afterward, she found the engine billowing smoke and the hood intensely hot. Because her engine overheated. Explain the chicken arms. <laughs> One isn't necessarily with the other. Like, it's making it sound like this person did something to her car. It's, it doesn't have to necessarily be the case. So sh- her car could have overheated. Have you been in a 70s car? Like, do you remember our, as kids, those cars? We had an Audi that had some issues. Correct. You know where, you know, oh my God, synchronicity. One time, our 1978 Audi 5000 on family vacation had a heat-related breakdown. Do you know where? Georgia. 
No. 75. I-75 in Cincinnati. Yeah. I think it's just an I-75 thing. Actually, no, I think it's the 70s car thing that it would overheat or have engine problems or whatever. So, um, so, so let me get this straight. You think her car overheated, but because it was a 70s car, unrelated to the UFO with the chicken-legged no, bubble I'm, dome no, head But what creature. I'm, I'm saying is it, these two things don't necessarily have to be connected. But you agree they both happened. Correct, but they don't have to be connected. So your your point of incredulity is not the <laughs> chicken leg arm bubble dome head rectangular eyed robot moving I believe, creature. I believe that's fine. I believe she believes <laughs> that she saw it. But your problem is you, you don't think it should be blamed for the car overheating. <laughs> that poor car did nothing wrong in this scenario. Oh wow. This is because you used to drive an old Buick station wagon, isn't it? I am a daughter of a General Motors worker. We don't, we don't, we don't know. I'm just, what I kind am, of car this was. I, I'm just. Saying, this could have been like a Renault or something. I'm positive that this was probably an American-made car. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And I'm just going to stand yeah. in solidarity with, with the American auto worker. Correct. But then, but I know. But then I but want then the UFO. Yes. <laughs> Shouldn't you blame the aliens? So uh, my whole argument here has come around and bit me in the butt. Yes. Much like this chicken man probably would have done <laughs> to this poor woman if she would have gotten out of the car. Oh, it is breaking down in Tulsa here on the saucer. I'm line. just, yeah. Okay. Really want dessert. <laughs> Two more. October 28th, Reno, Nevada. Why did you, okay, on your notes here, you have chicken legs. Did you talk about chicken legs? I talked about the chicken leg. His arms were like chicken legs. I mentioned that several okay, times. Okay, I just want to make sure you get your your points in here. You're, you're just you're just too busy shilling UAW propaganda to notice that I've followed my own notes. UAW propaganda fed and clothed me as a child. UAW propaganda paid for my wedding. So there you go, folks. <laughs> October twenty eighth, Reno, Nevada. During the early morning hours. The witners went to the window and saw three very large saucer-shaped objects hovering across the street. A ground crew of 10 to 12 figures wearing dully glowing cube-like uniforms were milling around as if in search of something. A very low-pitched hum was heard, but no barking by the witnesses' dogs or others in the neighborhood. When two of the, in quotes, men approached her driveway, the witness took alarm and returned to bed, where she fell asleep immediately. There was no confirmation of anything unusual from any of her neighbors, and no traces were found. Oh, come on. So what, we're going we're gonna to assume that the, the beings, like, buying controlled her so that she went to sleep immediately? I mean... Because yeah, if you yeah. saw something like this... You would not fall asleep. So it would have to be an outside, an outside influence. Yeah. What is a cube-like I was going to ask you. I don't know. Is it just like, I is it don't know. is it a uniform that had cubes on it? Is it a uniform that has a pattern that looks like three dimensional cubes? Is it a uniform that is a giant box that you wear, like the Transformers costume I wore in third grade? Yeah, and then there was no no nothing found. I mean, at least there's no scat, there's no footprints. <laughs> you and your, you're into the humanoid scat, and it disturbs me. Uh, so I I I don't know bored housewife i don't know and it's it's funny that these dogs aren't barking like 
the other dog. He barked. Maybe they, they silenced kind, Yeah, the they dog. silenced like they made her go to sleep. Maybe. Mm, all right. I liked the carp the, man way better. The the what? Was it a carp man? Catfish. Catfish man. The catfish is is that's 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 a that's a top five UFO. I really story. want somebody. Can somebody draw us a catfish man? Listeners, we there's an open call for catfish man drawings. Oh please, that would be awesome. We will we will promote you without end. That'd make a great t shirt. He needs to be ambling down a ramp. Um with, with feathers. The, there yes, needs to be the feathers. And the webbing. And the webbing between the legs yes. like a flying squirrel. Yeah. We've never done we've never done Chizo Media t shirts or merch, but a, I'm really thinking a catfish. A feathered catfish man with flying saucer oh, yeah. squirrel flying saucer squirrel. Flying squirrel webbing. Yeah. 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 All right. Last story. November eleventh. Armistice Day. Woo. Greenville, South Carolina. Home of many fine Jim Crockett promotions pro wrestling shows. Many uh many a war games were held in Greenville, Saucer Wife. A three foot being dressed in a light brown coverall got into a cab and told the driver to take him to Greasy Corners, a local intersection. The head was featureless except for goggles or large eyes. It had on gloves and gold boots with gold buttons on the chest. The being paid for the fare with a dollar bill, which had the green green side, which had the green side colored yellow. Aren't both sides of a dollar bill green? I don't know. I I thought so. Also, I, also, gold boots. Girl, gold boots. Mystery Science Theater three thousand fans. One of my favorite episodes is the girl in gold boots. We haven't watched that one in a long time. You want to watch it tonight? No. No. Okay. But this is, th- it, it gets in a cab. It, it Greasy corners, a local intersection. I love the fact that, you know, there are some places where a, just a, an intersection has a name. I thought at first I was like, okay, greasy corners is like a diner, you know? So these are some humanoid stories. What do you think, saucer wife? Uh, some of them weren't humanoid. No. How is a catfish humanoid? How are 10 dogs? 10 dogs humanoid. Well, one dog wouldn't be humanoid, but you get 10 of them together. Then it makes a humanoid. Then it makes a humanoid. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Some of them were outlandish. Some of them were outlandish. So you know what I realized? This is the first time I think you've been on the show in the Patreon era. Really? You've been on the Patreon every month, whether or not you remember. Hmm. But I think this might be... The first time, maybe maybe not. You might have been back one other time. I'll have to take your word for it. I was obviously proven wrong once this evening. I don't want to live through that again. No, it's humiliating, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that can make me feel better is a catfish shirt. Flying saucer, catfish, walking down a ramp, <laughs> feathers, flying squirrel, membrane. Between the leg, membrane is a gross word. It is a really gross word. It's like moist. Yeah. It's like membrane. No, no, do not. But you know what we mean, like the little sort of. Do you think you could put the description of the the um, catfish up, maybe, so that if somebody wanted to draw it, they would have the description. I will throw that out on um, on social media, and I will do my best to remember to put it in the show notes. Yes. Okay, thank you. I'll see if there's a picture of it already in the book, because oh. some of them had illustrations. All right. But I'd really like maybe not the picture. I don't want to I don't want people to have like I want to know what their interpretation is. Okay. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, and then maybe we could compare it with, if there is a picture, we could compare if we were to be lucky enough to get pictures, we could compare it with, why are you taking a picture of me? Because of my photography hobby. <laughs> can't even with you right now <laughs> thank you <laughs> let's go to the close thanks for listening remember to send in your questions and comments via the usual social media or email channels and catfish pictures and we'll oh i will address them on the saucer uh the, the segment next week maybe i'll come back yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be a hell of a thing wouldn't it our associate producer is uh and and an expert witness is simpson <laughs> j hanover the third who's no longer welcome in our home <laughs> no the saucer life is a production of chizo media llc chizo media our heart is with the catfish till next time keep watching the skies because it's a damn catfish coming down that ramp needs more saucer wife